Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Points and Penalties Podcast. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts, Peter, Jesse, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking? Murphy's Law and Canadian Dry. Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Moosehead Lager. Peter, what are you having? I'm having uh, Crown Royal Northern Harvest Rye Whiskey and uh, Club Soda. And Josh, what are you drinking? Great, I'm having a Coors Original. It's great. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. So, guys, I want to start off uh, this week on a somber note. Uh, one of the baseball greats, Hank Aaron, passed away uh, this past week. Uh, Hank Aaron played 23 seasons, 21 of them with Milwaukee or Atlanta Braves, and two with the Brewers. Absolute superstar, and it's a uh, uh, you know sad to to hear of his passing. I agree to that. I mean, uh, what I see and heard that uh, you had a nickname there of uh, Hammer and Hank. Hammer and Hank. Yeah, he was hammering home runs, man. Lots of them, seven hundred and fifty-five home runs. Let me ask you, boys: Do you consider him the true home run champ? Because he's only behind Barry Bonds. And he and didn't Barry take... Bonds. That's right. Barry Bonds has that asterisk beside his name. Yeah. He didn't take any drugs to do it. Well, you don't know that. There's there's still a lot of drugs back then, even in the the twenties. They were all hyped up on shit like that. Like <laughs> cocaine. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> it was cocaine. Uh, what was it? Is it uh Ricky, or not Ricky, I forget the guy's name, man. But he uh, he has, like, the longest home run in MLB history. And he came later Bruce. on out that knows. Uh, Mark McGuire. Fuck, what's his name? Oh, is this a three-way challenge? No. <laughs> challenge. <laughs> Babe fucking Ruth. Well, it was <sighs> Ricky Mantle. Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle. <laughs> Mickey Mantle. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he was the one that hit the the longest home run. They said that they they were doing a lot of uh, steroids and stuff like that. It was all like new to them at the time, right? Challenge. <laughs> Did you look what it up? Are you, <laughs> <laughs> no. are you looking it up? Are you yeah, challenging? I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah, give it a name though first. Yeah, Babe Ruth. Okay. I still say it's Mark McGuire. Okay, so two cha- or wow, two challenges. Double challenge. It's right off the hop in the first first episode uh, right away. We all suck. In nineteen eighty seven, Joey Meyer of the Denver Zephyrs. Oh maybe that's okay, hang on. Is that's that you are pro? Yeah. So oh, boom. Hang on. Major League Baseball's longest verifiable home run distance is about 575 feet by Babe Ruth. Straightaway center field at Tiger Stadium. Huh. Boom. Bang. That's uh that's plus one for Peter. Well done. Uh one more thing to say on Hank Aaron, at least for me. The best thing I saw wrote written about him after he passed is that when he retired, he held the record. For the most records held by anyone in MLB history. Nice, that's crazy. Which I think is just awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, this guy, 25-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, two-time National Batting Champ, NL MVP, World Series Champ, absolute superstar. Absolute. I just want to say one thing. You're, Peter's right. Yeah, Mantle was second. If you're not first, you're last, Jesse. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. But uh, there the, there was a story that the, he had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the urban legend is that he hit at 656 in college, hmm. which is unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's an urban legend for a reason. But Don't that, know if that, I buy that one. That, that's that. That that's what I. That's why I went with that kind of thing. Uh, so we, uh, I guess we want to give our condolences to the family uh, of Hank Aaron and, and to baseball. We just honor one of the greatest, greatest ball players of all time. Moving on, NFL championship games, boys. It was a busy Sunday. It was a busy Sunday. Had Leafs on one TV, football on the other. Nice. It was good. Beauty. How did you boys fare? Did you how did your picks work out? Fuck Brady. Fuck Brady. <laughs> as much as I like the it just it's this guy is just he's like the goat for a reason. You can't deny it. I mean, he's gonna go to his hometown or the home place that he plays out of and possibly could win it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Might as well just add another record to his book, right? Be the first person to win a Super Bowl in yeah. home Yeah. Yep, absolutely insane. I also looked up something with uh, that Brady had. He is like three, three and one when he throws three picks in a playoff game. Hmm. Unreal. Yep, that's interesting. You, you, yeah, doesn't matter. All he does is win. I know. I was fifty-fifty on my picks. I had uh, I had terrific Tom winning, but. I was uh, going homer for the Bills all day, but they didn't perform. Yeah, I didn't do so well. Uh, I was wrong on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about points or just who you're going to win? Oh, both. Both. Let's, we were talking about Tom, so let's stay with the Buccaneers um, and the Packers game. Tight game, really. Uh all the way until Matt LaFleur fucked the game up, in my opinion. Let's talk about the field goal call. Yeah, oh my the field God. goal call. Hot take. I agree with the call. Come on. You you would take the field goal there. I would take the field goal there. We were chatting in our group chat live, and you boys saw I was agreeing with them. Um, and here's why. Here's why I, I think that it's the right decision. He's, they're down by eight. There's two minutes, just over two minutes left. If they do manage to get the touchdown on the fourth down, how many yards do they have to go, by the way? Was it eight yards? Yes. Yeah, eight yards, fourth down. Uh, if they got in there, they got to make a two-point convert. Assuming that goes well, too, then you're kicking to Brady with two minutes left. And I'm fully confident that Brady with two minutes left and all his timeouts can just march down the field, kick himself a nice field goal right at the end, win the game. I think the choice to kick the field goal 
and get yourself in a position with all your three of your timeouts still where you got to stop them and then you can march back down the field and you got to score for the win. I think that's a better place to be in than, uh, than having him just be able to walk down and kick a field goal to beat you. But you have to stop him no matter what, whether you go for the touchdown or not. So why don't you just try for the touchdown? You have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Give him a chance. I, I think you throw the ball into the end zone. You get your touchdown and you, you trust your defense. Like I said, you, you got to trust him anyway. And if he kicks a field goal, he kicks a field goal. You still had three timeouts yourself. Yeah. And two minute warning. And the two minute warning. So there's, you're still, in essence, there's, you know, each team would have four, four timeouts. So I don't know. I agree with Josh. Like, you got to go for it. You can't, you can't not. The analytics, analytics say to even go for it at that point, too. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. I know. That's another point. He's the MVP. You're going to take it out of his fucking hands? Even though he should have ran into a touchdown right before that play, too. He had a wide open. He did look open. like it was wide open there on that. He was, however, 15 yards out or so. Are you saying you don't trust your quarterback by not going for it? I don't I trust your I don't think so. <laughs> well, way too much to trust your I think. I think realistically, they it didn't matter what they did there. I think they had already lost at that point. Um, obviously, what they chose to do didn't work. I don't know if if they had cho- chose to go for it and they made it, I still think they would have lost. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Peter, see, that, that's where that's where I think like you seize momentum there. The way if you get a touchdown, for sure, for sure. But all the pressure, like I'm not saying Brady can't take pressure. Obviously, we all know he can, but it's all on him again. Yeah, but that's what he does. Two minutes left, ball in his hands to go kick a field goal to win. That's vintage Brady. So Rogers. Vintage Rodgers too, yeah. So Brady goes 20 for 36, 280 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. And Jesse, as you said, in in, uh, games that he throws three picks, you said he's three and one? I think it's like three and one. Three and one, that's pretty crazy. So, um, you know, Antonio Brown obviously uh, was really no effect that he was missing. Uh, He'll definitely help out in the Super Bowl, but they didn't miss him. From what I saw, <laughs> is he is he playing the Super Bowl? Uh, he should be ready for Super Bowl. From what I from what I heard, fuck that. This makes the better chances for them to win, fuckers. Yeah, I think we've seen from Brady his whole career though that it doesn't matter who he's thrown to. Yeah, he makes yep. his own receivers basically. Yep. yep, for sure. On the other side of the ball, Rogers went th- uh, thirty three for forty eight, three hundred and forty six yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Not not a horrible day, really. But uh, got to catch the ball. Not enough for Tom. Lots of drops. Lots of drops on the whole day. Yeah, I think that's because of the cold. Personally, I mean, they're paid millions of dollars to catch the fucking ball anyway. But and you got sticky gloves. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the reason we saw more yesterday than than I guess usual, uh, I think it's because how cold it was. Yeah, I mean, all in all, it was a good game. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching Tom win for once. And and I still uh, enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers lose. So for me, that was a pretty good game. I am with you on all accounts there. Uh, if you want to flip over to the 
Bills Chiefs game. Uh, Bills started out real quick, nine uh, zero, scoring on the first drive, field goal, and then uh, I believe it was uh, two or three drives after they scored the touchdown uh, to go up nine nothing after the first quarter because uh, they missed an extra point. Mahomes started out slow, but then he woke up, and Mahomes did Mahomes. Damn right he did. Yeah, and, and I mean. When when he wants to take the game over, and you've got those playmakers who, you know, I mean Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, those guys are pretty damn good in their own right. So put them all together. Obviously, Mahomes no ill effects from the uh, from the concussion in the divisional round, which is good from a, a health standpoint. Obviously, um, not so not so good if you're a Bills fan, but or a or a Buccaneers fan, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and Josh Allen ends up throwing a pick early in the fourth to essentially seal the victory for KC. And that was their last ditch effort. And that was that. So the way I saw the game, I mean, the bills just looked totally overclassed to me, um, which is unfortunate because we're, I guess, mostly secondary bills fans here being in Ontario. Um, but if, if you take away the, uh, the big fumble that they recovered on the goal line, uh, that led to their touchdown. I mean, they're uh, they're just way outscored this game, and they they couldn't keep up with the Chiefs. And you know, Chiefs are uh, I think clearly the best team in the in the league this year. And it'd be a, an upset, I think, if they lose the Super Bowl. I'd agree with that. So would I. But you know, big future for the Bills. They're they're looking good, but uh, they're not quite there yet. Can't keep up with the Chiefs. At least they can get over the uh, New England. Yeah, hey, they're better than New England this year. That's hundred <laughs> percent, way better. <laughs> yeah, first time we could say that since how long? Twenty years. 20, 20 years for sure. <laughs> so Allen ends up going twenty-eight for forty-eight, two hundred eighty-seven yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Yeah, and he rushed for for eighty-eight yards. So another part of maybe Buffalo's problem was that. Uh, the rest of the team rushed for 41 yards. So, you know, your quarterback, I know he's, he likes to run and he's a good runner, but he shouldn't be your lead, your lead back. And the receiving yards weren't, uh, weren't crazy either. Uh, Cole Beasley had seven catches for 88 yards and Stefan Diggs six catches for 77 yards. So respectable for sure, but, but nothing crazy. And then uh, the tight end Dawson Knox had uh, 42 yards or six for 42 and a touchdown. I just want to say, like, it's – I said that uh, Buffalo's defense playing pretty good in the playoffs, and they just got wrecked. Absolutely. And it, was, it was all by superstars, too. Like, Tyreek Hill at almost 200 yards uh, receiving. Like, and Kelsey did – usually what he does. He scored two touchdowns again. Yep. Like, you can't – you know who's going to get the ball. Like, I know – Hardman did pretty good too after he fumbled it, the or muffed the punt. Yep. But you gotta those guys are the two guys that you have to stop. I, I don't I, I don't know what Sean McDermott was doing there. Like I know uh, Les Frazier's the one that does the defensive coordinator there, but I really think that uh, Sean McDermott as a defensive mind coach, he should have been able to stop the superstars or done something against them. They, it was bad. Yeah, they couldn't do much. 
Tyreek Hill had nine catches for 172 yards, Jesse. And then Kelsey, 13 for 118 in those two touchdowns you talked about. So, yeah, they didn't they didn't stop him at all. Yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill looked like if you put him in a race with Usain Bolt, he would fucking yeah. blow him out of the water. I, I wonder. The fastest human alive. I wonder. That would be that would be all right to see. And you know something we didn't talk about at all in the uh, the other the other game there with the Bucks is the uh, uh, sacks, 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 sacks. In this in this game here, the Chiefs game four sacks, and uh, and I believe the other one Bucks game was five sacks. So defenses, one of the defenses in each of the game came to play. Did you guys see anything else uh, interesting from the AFC and NFC championship games? Uh, I just saw something that said uh, Cole Beasley was playing with a broken leg since week. Uh, he got he hurt in week sixteen. Nice. Yeah, the fractured fibula. Wow. He was he was playing with it and leads the team in in uh, in receiving yards <laughs> in the championship game. Nice. Yeah, he. Uh, that's pretty crazy to see that. Well, Super Bowl. We've got Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs, and geez, almost said the I almost said the wrong team. I almost <laughs> said the wrong team. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, should be a pretty, uh, pretty good game. Pretty, pretty should be pretty exciting. But uh, I think we'll leave our analysis and uh, and our predictions for another episode. Um, the one thing I will say about the Super Bowl before we. Uh, move on to other NFL news is that they will be allowing uh, some fans. Fair amount. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's one third capacity of the stadium from what I could tell. Um, which will be it'll be pretty full. Are they going to keep the seven thousand five hundred on their own little area so they know that they're just still going to be safe? Right. So what he's getting at here is seventy five hundred vaccinated uh, frontline healthcare workers are being gifted tickets from the NFL to, to the Super Bowl. Um, all of them are from the Florida uh, area, Tampa area, and, and in Florida. And uh, most of, them, of whom have, have had the both doses of, of the COVID-19. So they're not too concerned that way, I guess. Um, but as you said, Peter, uh, approximately one-third of, uh, of the capacity, which puts it at a total of 22,000 fans, approximately. So I thought that was pretty cool. At least uh, there can be some noise and, uh, and it'll bring a sense of normalcy back to, uh, to football. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a great gesture to 7,500 healthcare workers. Um, from what I, I read they're they're mostly from the Tampa area, but there's also all 32 teams are selecting some local healthcare workers from their uh, city or state and, Shipping them down to the, see the see the game as part of that seventy five hundred. That's awesome. That's sure. cool. So, shot put. Philip Rivers. Good old shot put. Wow. <laughs> he has decided that he's gonna hang him up. Thoughts. Seventeen seasons, man. That's amazing. I mean, good for you, bud. Yep. Not quite as long as uh, Brady, who's still ticking, but. 17 seasons, 16 with San Diego, one with Indy. You know, my first thought is Hall of Fame. 
Right. Question mark, question mark, right? Question mark. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Okay. So before, before we get to your, to your picks here, let me, I got some stats here and some, uh, some information uh, to refresh our, our listeners' memories and maybe to help you guys out a little bit too. So he's a North Carolina state product picked fourth overall in 04. Uh, like Kevin said, 17 seasons, eight time pro bowler, but no Super Bowl appearance. Uh, he did make the AFC championship game in 07, but lost to new England career stats here. Uh, we got 64.9 completion percentage, 421 touchdowns, 209 interception, 63,000 yards over 63,000 yards and a 95.2 rating. So as Peter asks, is he a hall of famer? I say yes. Just to elaborate on that. He's, he's fifth all time in passing yards and fifth all time in passing touchdowns. I think that's your answer right there. Exactly. I think despite his lack of, uh, of championship performance, obviously he's never making it to the Super Bowl, which weighs a lot in, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I think, I think with stats, when you're fifth all time in, in two major passing categories, I think I think he's going to make it. Maybe not first ballot, but I think he's going to make it. Definitely not first ballot. He will eventually be there, I think, too, as well. And um, my big thing about that uh, Rivers retiring is he made it one more year longer than Eli, which was that huge trade that happened in 2004 when Eli refused to play for the Chargers. Yep. And they traded him. In the draft. Hard. During the draft, yeah. they traded him. Yeah. During the draft. Yeah. Yeah. During the draft. For the fourth overall – uh, to New York once uh, San Diego Chargers at that time. Right, because you mentioned he was picked fourth overall yeah. Yeah. by the Giants. Right, exactly. Yeah, he just refused. Eli was like, nope, didn't want any of that. Yeah, he had four division titles too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he like, he he did pretty well. He just never, he didn't get to the dance. Yeah. Didn't get to the dance, you know. And maybe he could have if it wasn't for Tom you know, seven there, but Tom was there and we know Tom. So I think um, like the reason Eli didn't want to play there, like the, the Chargers franchise was a joke before that. Um, and I think Philip, when he showed up, he, you know, he brought them to respectability, never brought them a championship. And I don't think that's on him. You have to, you have to remember though, Peter, is that uh, Breeze came from, the Chargers too, but he didn't want to play there either. <laughs> no, it wasn't that he didn't want to play. They said that he was hurt. They said he he, he wasn't going to be able to play football again. His shoulder got all mangled up, and a doctor in San Diego said that he might not be able to play football. So that's why they let him go. Yeah, they were right about that, though, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about fifth overall. What is Breeze like one or two? I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, he, in touchdowns yeah. and yards, one or two. Mm-hmm. I think it may be one. I think yeah. I think in yards he is, but touchdowns I think uh, B Red has. I think he got. I think he got that right, Jesse. No challenge today. No challenge. <laughs> so the New York Jets can't lose properly at the end of the year, and they end up giving the Jacksonville Jaguars the first overall pick. They're likely going to take Trevor Lawrence. And with pairing with him, they've just signed Urban Meyer to be their new head coach. If you're going to get a 
college coach, bring him to the NFL. This is a pretty good guy to do it. Yep. And Jacksonville's got a young team. A lot of picks, too. And a lot of picks. So this could be very, very good. Urban Myers got he went, he's got an 854 win percentage in college ball, 187 wins, 32 losses, 17 different seasons with four schools. Last coach in 2018 with OSU, but he's never coached at this at the NFL level. So it'll be a new new thing for him here. 12 and 3 in bowl games and won three national uh not excuse me, national titles. Two with Florida, 06 and 08, and one with Ohio State in 2014. So I think this is a great hire. Um, like I said, with all the youth and the way that he has worked with, with young kids for his entire career and the way he's been able to uh, get them to believe into a system and, and the, what, you know, I mean, just in the last, I believe it was seven seasons with Ohio state and just watching the last seven seasons. Um, he's a pretty good coach and he can, he can make something special happen. So I don't think it's a good hire. And here's why. I think we've seen time and time again college coaches come up to the NFL ranks um, and it's not the same. And they, they can't. I think the only real success story over the past, like since 2000, has been uh, Jim Harbaugh. I disagree. Who else? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is definitely a USC college. guy. Yep. Dominated there and got a two, two Super Bowls and won one, and he should have ran the other one. He should have ran the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he came up before 2000. But anyway, I think that unless you want to challenge me on that, he can't, it was his second time coming up. It depends on what you want to say. Like, like it was when when he, second time he came up, he was. Uh, I think he's been better than uh, Jim Harbaugh easily. Obviously, he's got a championship. I think some college coaches come up and have success, but the majority don't. Now, this is obviously a premier college coach. Like This is you know, one of the top name off the list. This is probably one of them. Um, but I think it's... I think it's such a different game that I don't think the uh, the odds are in his favor. And I'm going to put it on tape right here. You can record this and save it for later. I don't think he coaches to a winning record in his career in the NFL. Wow, bold statement. Yep. Bold statement. Bold statement. All right. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> All right, Peter, I'm going to play devil advocate here. And I think he's going to do a little bit better than what you were saying. But you have to remember, he's coming into a pretty – Luckily, he's got a bunch of draft picks, and he's going to get one of the best prospects since Andrew Luck as his quarterback. Yeah, but, a huge it's, difference. but it's Jacksonville, so they'll fuck it up somewhere. But see, that's what I'm saying, like how I said about Pete Carroll. Like, he didn't do well his first time up, and then he got Russell Wilson, and now look how well he is. A quarterback, a good quarterback makes life so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I'm kind of on the same with you. Like, uh, college coaches don't tend to do overly that good here. But, like, even Nick Saban, probably the best uh, college coach. He's coached in the NFL and didn't do well. The only other one that I can think of that actually really, like, actually dominated was Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. 
that's the only other one I can I can really think of. And he he did that with the Cowboys, and yeah. then went to he had Troy Aikman, so he, you know. Well, he had Troy Aikman, he had uh, Emmett Smith, and he yeah. had uh, Michael Irvin. Irvin, Michael yeah. Irvin, that's who he is. Yeah, and it's he went to Miami afterwards and didn't do a whole lot either. He got into the playoffs, but he didn't do much after that. Yeah, it's a different game. But that's the thing is, if you get the if you get a good quarterback, make your job a lot easier. This is true. This is true. We also never really know about quarterback prospects. Like there have been all kinds that have come through and looked like uh, look like gods in college, and they're going to come and you know be the next Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or whatever. And, and well, they just I I can pretty much th- it. think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next uh, Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. We'll say. Well, with minus the injury. Minus getting yeah. as much as he <laughs> Hopefully anyway, right? Because, like, Andrew Luck was really good, but he just he, – he couldn't stay healthy and he just didn't want to play anymore pretty much. He could have been the ex the guy with the half a billion dollars, right? Like, if he stayed in the league. Absolutely. Okay, so talking uh, still about quarterbacks, uh, let's jump around here and talk about Deshaun Watson. This guy's looking for a trade from the Houston Texans. Uh, he's having some issues with the upper management. Um, it's, not, it's not a not a secret that he's been having some issues, and he he wants out. Now the talk is where two things uh, or two actually three places. First being the Jets, uh, second being the Dolphins, and third being Carolina. My understanding. For the Jets, uh, he likes their new head coach hire. Salah. Salaman. Yeah, uh, so much so that he wanted the Texans to interview him for their head coaching position, and they didn't. So I think that is uh, the a big part of why he wants to go to, to the Jets. So obviously they have some sort of relationship, uh, whether it goes back to maybe a college uh Maybe they're te- not teammates, or coach and, and uh, player on the college team. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, either way, he likes him. Well, his first name is Derek. That's that's good. I don't know why he doesn't go by Derek Deshaun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kev. No worries. <laughs> uh, so, from what I hear, um, the trade value on on Watson is likely three first round picks, and a third or a fourth type value, yeah. which you, you right off the hop. It sounds like it's a lot, but that's not that it's much. It's not that much. Model. No. Um, Jalen Ramsey. And it was the other, the other one. They got traded for two first round picks. There was another DB, I believe that got traded for two first round picks in a lot, either last. Oh, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, went for two first yeah yeah so i think i think what uh, ramsey was is two first and a fourth or something like that and jamal was two first and a third but he had a longer contract right than, than ramsey did so to add just one more first round pick you have you could get a premier quarterback that's still in the prime of his career yeah yeah i, I thought it was going to be a lot more than that if some teams just struggle for like 
decades. Look at the Browns. For so long trying to find a bona fide starting quarterback. And it's just, if you can't get the guy, and sometimes they maybe they do find the guy, but he's thrown into the wolves because the team's not very good, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't sort of live up to his expectations. If you could find a guy that's a bona fide starting quarterback for three first round picks, I think a lot of teams would be interested in that. And yeah, so you mentioned the Jets and the Dolphins and Carolina. Um, I didn't hear Carolina; I just heard the Dolphins and the Jets. But I'll take your word for it. And I think, I think he said that he would prefer the Dolphins. No, sorry, he prefer the Jets over the Dolphins. The Jets, yeah, yeah, because of Robert Saleh is basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's if he goes to the Jets, likely Sam Darnold goes to the Texans along with those three first round picks, and you know Houston has a quarterback who is. I'm going to see he's somewhat talented um, to get him through the next three or four painful years. Uh, hopefully they do. If they make this trade, uh, maybe they do a good service to JJ Watt and get, send him on his way too, because he's that guy's an absolute superstar and he deserves to go to a winning team. If you're going to, ta- if you're going to throw in the towel for the next couple of years. How old is JJ Watt? I mean, he's like, he's approaching 30, I'd say, or no. Uh, he's over 30, yeah. He's over 30, yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, for sure. He's not part of the rebuild at that point. Obviously. No, absolutely not. And he doesn't want to be part of the re- uh, a rebuild. He's, I'm pretty sure he's been uh, known to say that. JJ Watts, 31 years old. Thanks, Kev. That's it. I thought he was a lot older than that. But I, I, this is what I think about the, the Sean Watson. I think it's going to be either Miami or or the Jets. Another place where, like, would be funny to see him go is... Uh, Don't you dare Atlanta. say Atlanta. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's where he's from. He, he'll, he might, he might want to play for his home state. As back, right? No. No, he'd be starting. They'd get rid of Ryan in a heartbeat. But, like... Ryan only has one more year left on his contract anyway, yeah. so I'm pretty sure he's uh, done after next season. Yeah, so it's I I can see that, but I don't think they have the draft capital to do that. Whereas my, Miami and the Jets do, they do have the draft capital. So a return package from the Dolphins would likely include Tua, uh, and then maybe maybe say two other first round picks, and then a fourth or something to that effect. Assuming that you're still giving Tua a first round grade. I don't um, think so. I think you're giving him a second or a third. Right. Just so because he kind of struggled at the end there. So I, he was injured and that's what comes with him is he's injury prone too. Mm. So I, I think it might be like two, a uh, two first and maybe a second as well. Fair Something enough. Like that. See, I think he would still have first round. Grade. Tua? Like, yeah, I think, I think we get spoiled a little bit sometimes when we see uh, some players come right in and make an immediate impact. Which is not is not always the trajectory of quarterbacks. You know, sometimes they take a while to get their feet wet, but they're still uh, sort of a blue chip prospect. But I don't think you'll get a first from. Not like I don't think you'd. If someone traded for him right now, because obviously, if my Miami has to get someone in to begin with. 
but I I don't think he's worth a first round pick, or I don't think any GM thinks that as well that he's worth a first round pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I I don't think he's worth a first either, Jesse. I agree with you. So we get two to one, and Kev's <laughs> up in the air. I mean, I I I'd probably see you go to the Jets. Jets really need someone. They do. They do. Uh, so the last place that I heard was Carolina. Now it gets a little murky on a return there. Obviously they still want the same value, but what does Carolina have to give back in terms of players that can play now? They're going to want to get rid of Teddy B water uh, and his contract. Um, the Panthers would, but I don't think that Houston wants to take that on, uh, especially the way that he played the later half of the season. So then there's got to be another another uh, top-end player going that other way. McCaffrey. But does is Carolina dumb enough, in my opinion? I, I, I think you got to keep McCaffrey in that situation. I know it's QB versus the running back, but running backs that can put up 2,000 yards are hard to come by. Yeah, look at Henry with the Titans. He's without him there. Fucking, they're, uh, you know. They're middle of the road. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're middle of the road for sure. All right, gents, let's change gears here. What do you want to talk about next? Baseball? Let's go baseball. Let's talk about Springer Dingers. Springer Dingers. Hopefully soon in the spring. (laughs) Yes, it's true. George Springer signed with the Jays. Six years, $150 million U.S. Of course. That tops the... Jay's previous high contract, which was for seven years, 126 million in 2006, was to the one and only Vernon Wells. I'm fired up. I, I think it's going to be all right. I mean, by looking at his, you know, stats and what he's done and accomplished, man, this guy could be, you know, a good fit. I'm excited. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good fit with the smaller diamond and everything like that in the Rogers Center. But uh, yeah. he's also going to be. Like there's a lot of superstar infielders, more or less here in Toronto, but it'll won't have, they don't have the offense that uh, Houston had. So he might he'll get the opportunities, but his numbers might not reflect it right away. Well, because there's no one pounding he just a ha- garbage can in the back. That's what I was gonna say. He's just gotta teach him how to uh, bang <laughs> trash cans. I was gonna say just keep the trash cans away from him. So. <laughs> uh, Josh, you're the best of us all. So, I mean, this guy, he, he's a superstar. Kev, you and I were talking the other day. You know, you said that he's, he's a purebred athlete. Yeah, man. Parents. God, the grandfather, all the way down to his parents. I mean, his sisters even play, like, you know, college uh, softball. Right. So, this, you know, the whole, the whole family is an is a athletic family, which I would think a lot of pro families are. But, you know, in this one in particular, because we had, we had looked into it, uh, so this this past season in 2020, 52 games for Springer, 14 home runs, 32 RBIs. Uh, he's got a career slash line of 271, 361, and 491. Three-time All-Star. Two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, World Series champ, World Series MVP. Yes, it was in the Stein. Yeah, asterisk. But yeah. still, <laughs> you know, asterisk aside, I think this is great. This is going to only push our young to be or hope to be superstars and 
<laughs> and yeah. I'm like I said, I'm, I can't wait for the Springer Dingers. <laughs> in, in that World Series, supposedly he hit uh, five home runs, which tied two other people: Reggie Jackson and uh, Chase Utley. It's you, Kev. Super I had no star. idea, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's good. No. So, serious question though: We all know about the trash can thing, and I've seen some analytics that indicate that he was one of the biggest um, beneficiaries of the trash can banging. So do we, do you think his performance will drop off without that? Didn't seem to hurt them like this, like uh, what last year, I mean, they played well last year. Yeah, they, they did. Didn't, they didn't have any, you know, well, we don't know if they had mechanisms in their shirts or in anything. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they just found a better way. Just watch the watch the stitching of the pitch. I'm gonna say it drops off, but like his production drops off, but only because it's a new team and it's just you know the whole new city getting used to things. Obviously, he's not even gonna be in Toronto for the well. I I would think we don't we don't really know. Uh, my guess is that he's not going to be in Toronto, but for the first year or maybe half a season, who knows what the hell is going to go on with that. But we'll talk about that later. But I, I think, I think Springer is going to be a good fit. Like I said, he's going to, you know, he's got some, some experience so he can bestow that on to these young guys. And uh, you know, with this young core that we have, we're in win now mode boys. I think so. We're yeah, in, for sure. Absolutely. There is no more, uh, you know, I mean, it was it really wasn't that short or that long, excuse me, of a, of a rebuild was it it was i I agree with you completely like like, (laughs) (laughs) kev is uh showing us his blue jays t-shirt right now Uh, yeah i didn't i didn't expect them to jump jump the gun a little early because like the the infield looks good like offensively and everything like that like defensively yeah they still have a ton of hiccups and stuff like that but man like i did not expect this at the beginning of the season Plus Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates and Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. Like Chatwood, he was good. He was really good last year. But uh, he's before he, that was his only really good season that I really remember. They signed up for one year, $3 million. And I believe incentives can push him up to five and a half million. He spent the last three seasons with the Cubs and he'll obviously be used out of the pen. Uh, it's, it's not great. He's got an ERA, ERA of over five throughout the past three seasons, which is 25 games worth. So it's, it's not great. Obviously some, some, uh, relievers ERAs get a little blown out of proportion, but, uh, if he can become a semi-reliable arm as a, uh, maybe at best a setup guy, probably, probably not a setup guy, but you wouldn't put him as a closer. I was going to ask, do you think he's no, the closer? No, Yates is the closer. Oh, yo, Yates is definitely the closer. You mean? I thought we were no, talking about we're talking, no, about we were talking about Chatwood. We were. And then oh. he said about Chatwood, and I said he was. He, oh, see, I think he's a starter. Chatwood, Chatwood yeah. he is. Yeah. He, he, was a, he was a starter. Uh, see, I, I've, I've heard that he's going to be used out of the pen. So, oh, maybe. The only thing that bothers me about these two guys, I mean, granted, they've had. I mean, Tommy John surgery, but come on. I mean, isn't that going to, I don't know, it kind of scares me for both of them to have Tommy John surgery. 
Chatwood and Yates? Yeah. Yes. They, I don't think one of them had uh, Tommy John. They had bones. Right, yeah. Kirby Yates has had some bone chips uh, removed from his throwing elbow last August is what I've, I've heard as of late. Missed the uh, 2006 and 2007 season because of Tommy John's. Oh, that's a long ways ago, Kev. That's a while ago, He's definitely ago, healed up from that, man. But like I said, though, man, like, this kind of scares me, the fact that they've even had them. I mean, I don't know. Like, shit like that can come back. At- I wouldn't be too worried about that one, man. I mean, it is, it is most common that is happening in baseball today. A lot of Tommy John, of course. So did uh, did Chet would have Tommy John over this offseason? He, he had it in 2014. No, no. Ken Giles had Tommy John surgery in September. He was the Jays' closer last year, so he had he had Tommy John this like just this past September. So he's out. So they had to bring in a closer. That's Kirby Yates. That's, That's Yates. Yates yeah. Okay, so Yates one year five and a half, five and a half million dollars and was a tw- uh, 2019 saves leader with San Diego. Yes, you know he's got a half decent pedigree here. I don't think that bone chips. I don't think are going to bother that. That shouldn't be a problem. Let's hope not. So between the three signings, obviously Springer's super, uh, and the other two are are definitely, in my opinion, solid solid pickups. You know, like I said, Chadwick could go either way, but I think I think Yates is going to be pretty good this year. Um, I think that really solidifies the Blue Jays. Uh, they still need some front end help. They need some starting pitching. I'm pretty sure Chatwood's going to start. Well, and maybe he will, based on you know who's out there. I mean, we Ross Stripling is the fifth or fourth guy. Maybe, yeah, but of course. So depends if they get Trevor Bauer or not. Yeah, that, yeah. If they get Trevor Bauer, then he's getting kicked to, to the setup role, maybe. Right. So. That rolls right into our next uh, our next topic, then, boys. Is is the remaining free agents here? We just had uh, we just had George Springer signed to the Jays. Uh, Marcus Stroman recently signed his uh, qualifying offer with the Mets. DJ LeMahieu signed it with the Yankees. So that was one that snuck away from us. We offered him more money to come to, to Toronto. I'm not upset about not having LeMahieu. What? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's all what he's cracked up to be, man. I really don't. Oh, I think he's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, did he win the AL MVP Not last year, the year before? I don't know. I thought he was close to winning that. Either way, he's he's got taken, so <laughs> that he isn't going to sign anywhere else. So uh, I was looking at the the last, or sorry, the next uh, best four free agents that are available still. Uh, so depending on how you value your catchers or your pitchers uh one two in no particular order trevor bauer jt Realmuto, marcelo zuna and justin turner so how do we think they are position players though because i think i'm like if they go into the season with the position players they have now i'm happy are you, who are you talking about the blue jays blue jays yes yeah i'm, I'm pretty happy right now could probably use a third baseman but and a pitcher, that's about it. Well, yeah, pitching, pitching is is pitching is where we need help. I think. Now, more importantly, before we get off the topic of George Springer, because I didn't realize this before, but it's very. I think important. we're already off Springer, but. I know, but I got to come back. <laughs> Circle <This is> around. <laughs> I'm just learning that he's a very old man. Yeah. Born on September the 19th, 
1989, which makes him exactly one day older than I am, which is good because now I can always say, at least I'm younger than George Springer. You can't always say that. And Jesse's not. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. (laughs) Well, yeah, you you and Gramps down there aren't uh, aren't even close. Yeah, okay, so back to remaining free agents. So as I said, we've got Bauer, Romuto, Marcelo Zuna, and Justin uh, Turner, excuse me, are – you know, arguably the, the next best four to go off the blocks. Um, I haven't really heard anything. <laughs> uh, you know, there's been all the, the same old, the same old uh, Trevor Bauer stories. Uh, you know, obviously the Jays are now out of them, not as a out, but it's not looking good for the Jays to, uh, to get Bauer with, with now of spending all that cash on Springer, but who knows if they really want to win now, maybe they should. But so I'm hearing Mets, Dodgers, and the Angels. Mets maybe not so much now with uh, with Stroman signing uh, his qualifying offer, but uh, I don't know. I've heard the Angels are are heavy hitters and and they're really trying to push for him, which could be very interesting. Uh, with you know he's a pretty pretty damn good pitcher, and put him with a pretty damn good center fielder. You never know what could happen. And thoughts. I'm just still hoping that Jays can somehow land Bauer, and I think that'll make him like a a perennial playoff threat for the next at least five years. But anyway, that's Jays focused. I think Turner might go back to the Dodgers. Is what I was hearing. That's what I've heard. There was a, a few other suitors, but nothing seems to be working out. So the lead dog now, from what I'm understanding, is is the Dodgers. Who is also trying to get Trevor Bauer? The Dodgers, right? So, you know, they've got a lot of they got a lot of money, but they don't have a whole lot of cap space. And if they go with, uh, if they end up with either, either or, well, I would say probably both, then they're going to be into the highest luxury tax. Uh, I would think, which is a pretty hefty tax that you don't necessarily want to be paying out. So, it'll be one or the other. So how much do they want Trevor Bauer or how much do either the Mets or the angels or an unknown suitor? Who knows? Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> take, Blue take. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks Kev. Something yeah. in my throat. Uh, JT Romuto, Romuto, pretty good catcher. He's not the youngest. I've heard the lead dog is the Phillies and, uh, and then next would be the Braves. Um, but it, things look to be, heading back to, to Philadelphia. Um, there was a couple other teams that were interested or had voids at uh, the catcher position, but they were, they were filled up. The Yankees decided to keep Sanchez Suzuki signed somewhere. The, the team name is escaping me right now, but <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so it, I, I'm going to say the Phillies are going to end up picking him up again. Where did uh, Michael Brantley sign? Because I've heard conflicting reports. Houston sold. So I not the Jays because I heard it was the Jays. I heard the Jays initially after Springer. So it was what do we get? We get Yates. Then I think it was Chatwood. (laughs) Then Springer. 
And then Brantley, I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy. But not Brantley. But then, psych. Just kidding. So the last I heard, he re-signed in Houston, two years, $32 million, Which, that's a pretty good payday for, for Michael Brantley. $32 million over two years. I'd take that. Yeah, it's, was that enough <laughs> for you to, for you to take? Yeah, it was. He's gonna, Josh is going to play center field. <laughs> well, like like Rover center field, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'd stick to DH, buddy. And so the last free agent uh, was Marcelo Zuna. And this is a tough one because sure, the league is likely going to adopt. Uh, I'm not sure what they're doing for this coming season for the DH situation like they did last year. Uh, the, the National League had a DH where normally they don't. So he's a DH, Marcelo Zunas. So he's a he's a tough guy to put on your team because he's playing one position. Maybe he plays first every once in a while. So I've heard of five different. Uh, actually, I've heard of up to eight different people teams that are looking at him. But do they necessarily fit? So your guess is as good as mine. Which teams he goes, where he goes. So I heard just today that the uh, the MLBPA rejected the proposal that included the universal DH and, and the expanded playoffs. So that is hot off the wire a few hours before we're recording this, but it sounds like universal DH DH in the national league is not happening, at least not this year. I think that's dumb. Yep. Eliminate the pitchers hitting. It's, I mean, what we've be funny when a superstar pitcher goes down the NL, yep. they're going to be like, Told you, Told you so, yep. Well, and you never know. I mean, maybe, probably not, but you might see the pitcher saying, no, I don't want to play in the NL, you know, especially if, if uh, pitchers are beating other pitchers. I mean, it'd be just nice if the fucking two conferences, two leagues, whatever you want to call them, had the same rules. I agree. It's a like, completely different game. Now. And I'm all for the MLB expanding the playoffs. I think this year was great. I think the MLB is the uh, the one league that doesn't allow enough teams into the playoffs. And it leads to some, uh, some boring ends to uh, a lot of teams' seasons as they come down the stretch and they're well they're, the Yeah, playoffs. they're done by end of July. I think it'd do. Uh, I think it'd be a real good decision for the league to expand the playoffs and to make DHs uh, in both the leagues. But that's just my opinion. I think we're all in agreement on that one. I, I am too. Think, I don't think. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, absolutely. Hardcore baseball fans that need to stick to the rigid rules that they made up in the 1800s. Well, hell, if you can change a lot of hockey shit, why not change everything else? Well, that's the thing. Is MLB is like the only sport that doesn't change as much as everyone else they're they're the only ones that are like old school yeah for sure it took them a long time to adopt uh like video replay and such so yeah yeah i think that's because of the uh just the sort of speed of the game no i think it's the the sort of the the american american pastime don't ever change a sort of mentality of a lot of people in the states where they, I don't know, I think they're afraid of sort of offending their their core fan base 
by changing it things. could be but you're also a lot of your core base is dying off so you gotta switch it up like you uh, you gotta roll with the new right like you gotta get those younger people more involved in the game and one way was to do that was to bring video replay because every other fucking sport has it Sometimes to their own uh, detriment. Yeah. Don't get me started on NHL offsiders. Oh. <laughs> but it makes it, it should make it more consistent, you know, like especially when you talk balls and strikes using potential video. Oh, I don't want that. You know, oh, they're just going to have an earpiece in their ear and they're going to tell them what the hell that striker no. ball and they're going to say but it then. Theoretically, though, it should make it pretty well flawless, right? Theoretically. I mean, if it's, yeah. if it's that good. So, who knows? Only if you trust the robot. Yeah, overlords. but they're gonna, not going to have that confrontation of the uh, manager running out to the umpire and be able to cover up home plate and shit. I mean, like that—that's a good thing to see. I mean, my opinion is that in sports, in in refing, there's always going to be human error, and you should you should either keep the ref and keep the human error, or fucking go to video and robots in some way completely like if which i think i think keeping refs and keeping human error is a better way to go but sometimes there's egregious things that happen once again the matt duchene offside that led to the stupid offside video replays that are awful excuse me and uh yeah so it's unfortunate that that kind of thing can happen it's better in my opinion to just leave it as a human making a call and humans make mistakes sometimes and shit happens. So, so just Peter, you're not a fan of the video replay in baseball about when they call people out and shit like that. Uh, it's not bad, but it, I don't know. It's, it's a fine line between or how about, how, how about in, you video review in NFL when they replay stuff, when the ref screwed up makes the game longer. It does. I my, I think that if it's an egregious mistake, it should be reversed. If it's a fine line, you're never going to catch it uh, full speed with a human eye, just let it go. You should do a video review for like 30 seconds, and if you can't conclusively tell in 30 seconds what the call I, is, then I, just I leave agree the that call. they got to they knock the time down for sure. Sometimes they're so obvious that they can just but it's part of procedure right how they have things so they have to take up a specific amount of time or use the a lot of time if more time is needed to see all the angles then i understand that but they can they can definitely do a lot it a lot quicker i i think yeah to me that's boring it fucking drags the game out it's not, it, sport is entertainment that's what it is it's the only reason the sport continues is because guys like us continue to okay. watch it. Well, another thing I'm thinking of is is how much excitement when the refs or umps or whatever make the decision on the replay too. Now, we haven't seen it a lot this year because COVID, but like if you're in the home stadium, like either people are going to be booing or cheering like crazy. And then that just goes right into your team then at that time too. If, if it goes your way, yeah. But my, my thought is, do your video review. If you can't tell conclusively in 30 seconds, keep the call on the field, carry on. Like if, if it's not 
if it's not clear enough that you can tell right away, then it's not worth reviewing to the finest minutia to make sure you got the call exactly right. No, she want to go into this or um, no? I kind of like how like football has been as we've had it forever. I have no problem with football period. Um, yeah. Sometimes they could, they can speed it up, but that way uh, when it comes to baseball, I have no problem with the, the outs on the bases, the home runs, uh, the foul balls, like right if it's at the foul post, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's the same way I am, but the balls and the strikes. The balls and the strike. Cause I'm not, stupid. yeah, I'm not a hundred percent on, I, I, I think it would, it would make it, uh, more foolproof, but you you have to have that human that human uh, error aspect to it. And if you like Peter said, if you don't, you might as well just get rid of all of them and just just record everything. And then as soon as it happens, and just whistle down and say he's safe. It was a strike. You know what I mean? Like what? Just let let the computers and and robots whatever do it. Um, but I don't think that's the way to go. I think you gotta you got to have a hybrid and, and the kind of the system that they have right now is half decent and workable. They just need to speed things up in all sports. Or just get rid, rid of some commercials too. would help. Well, they're not going to do that. <laughs> That's, That's what pays the bills, Jesse. <laughs> just for the record, I'm, I'm against the robot overlords calling sports as well. Okay. NHL. Who wants to talk about NHL? We got some good stuff going on. The most important thing that's happened in the NHL in the past week. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been traded to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine, plus Jack Roselvick, and a third-round pick comes back the other way to Winnipeg. It's a blockbuster trade. This is a swap of the number two and number three overall picks from the uh, 2016 draft, right after Austin Matthews, by the way. I don't think we know yet when Dubois can actually start playing in Winnipeg. I think he's probably there by now. He was traded on Saturday, I want to say. Friday, Saturday, something like that. It's Monday now that we're recording this. I think he's probably here, but he's in quarantine. Worst case is two weeks of quarantine. Uh, I know they're reaching out to the government of Canada to see if they can relax that to one week. Uh, well, We don't know yet if that's going to happen or not for... Mr. Dubois, um, but we'll see. Um, so I want to I want to hear from you guys. Um, who do you think won this trade? This is a blockbuster deal. I have to say the Jets did. Line is just a whiny little. I mean, if you look at Line A stats, yes, Line A has more goals. You know, probably has more games. But he does. to me, all right, it's just, hey man. This guy wanted out. They both wanted out to see who's happier. And I think who is the happiest is probably going to do well. So I, I always value a center over a winger. 100%. Um, assuming they have equivalent uh, skill sets. I think in this case, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets won this trade. Um, I think Dubois is, uh, I think he's a great center. I think he's a good two-way player. I think he's going to, he's going to be real good for the Jets for a long time. Um, but he doesn't score goals like Patrick Line. He doesn't does. have a goalie. He doesn't have a coach like Torts. 
I mean, this guy can just chew you apart and make you look so small. That's fair, but that's that's John Tortorella, and you're gonna have to deal with that. Yeah, that's just torts. I, my opinion, I think you got a goal scorer like Line A. Um, they do not grow on trees. They're hard to find. Despite him being a winger and not having the sort of value add of being a centerman, I still think that long term, I think we look back on this and Columbus is going to have the significantly better player in the long term, I think, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, the third rounder with Dubois isn't going to be, you know, he's not going to be a superstar, that's for sure. He's a third rounder. So, you know, basically, uh, let, let's call the third rounder and Ruslovich, you know, almost uh, apple for apple there. Yeah. And so, so you really are trading line A for Dubois. And yeah, you might get that little bump, like you said, about being a center uh, over the winger from a value standpoint, but uh, 250 points in 306 games for line A over his career. He's played there in the same draft and he's played uh, you know, 70 games more. So that's almost a full season. So is Dubois a little bit more uh, injury prone? Um, you know, I'm not sure if they, maybe there was one, uh, uh, one larger injury or whatnot. I'm not hundred percent sure on, on that for Dubois, but there's, you know, there's a large chunk of games missed and you look at it line is a, an, you know, 0.82 point per game guy. That's pretty damn good. Uh, Dubois point six six, which is pretty damn good too. But it's it's not point eight two. That's a lot. Eighty percent of you know eighty percent of his games, he's he's getting a point. So and mostly goals. The hardest thing to do in the National Hockey League is score goals. Right. So of those two hundred fifty points, one hundred and forty of them are goals. So, uh, but yes, I agree. I, I think actually my my note here is uh, did Columbus make out like bandits? And like I said, I think let's give it a, let's give it even just look at this year, maybe look at next year. I guess we'll have to add it until next year because of that third round pick. But my guess is that Columbus takes the cake on this one. Yeah, I definitely think like you just traded away a superstar. A whiny one. Doesn't matter. As long as he's, as long as he puts up the points, the only problem with him is he doesn't play enough defense. But like, but do you want that guy in your room? I mean, why do you think Taylor Hall bounces around from team to team to team? Because no one wants him in there because he's poison. So you're saying that uh, Liney's a bitch. Okay, but <laughs> tell us what you really think. Answers is that what you're saying? Yeah. Do you want that in your room? Do you want that guy? I want a superstar. Is what I want. Right. That's what he is. I can see there being an issue between Line A and Torts, uh, and because of not playing a whole lot of defense, uh, Torts is going to want you to hustle back. Um, which, you know, <laughs> I think Line A does a little better than Dubois did on his last shift for the uh, for the Blue yeah. Jackets. That was uh, that was straight up men's league there. That, that looked like me returning <laughs> to the bench playing <laughs> pickup hockey. So, so hot take number three for me today. I guarantee you, Line A outlasts Torts on that team. Wow, that's a bold prediction too. But guarantee, you, it. but you're probably right. Well, Torts has been in how many coaching opportunities? Like, 
he's been around the league like crazy. And a lot of this is because everyone gets fed up with him. Yep. So. Who's the Buffalo he, Sabres he's, captain? He's, he's still a young guy. Eichel. Jack Eichel. He's still a young guy. He's he, like, he obviously needs some maturing, but he'll, he'll, he's still scoring goals. Until he stops doing that, there's not a team that won't want him. Line A, he's, he's like 22. He's, 22. Yeah. <laughs> he's a fucking, yeah. he's barely out exactly. of diaper. He's a pup. Yeah. So he's going to get torts. If torts gets fed up, like Peter said, if torts gets fed up with him, torts is the one going to go probably. That's right. And it's like, again, just one of the reasons why I brought up the Buffalo thing is like that captain got rid of his coach. Like, like, I'll get it, man. What, Eichel? Yeah. Who was the coach there? He didn't like the yeah, coach. Yeah, he didn't like the coach and got the coach gone. What are you going to do? The superstar is worth more than the coach. Yeah. They, they play the game. <laughs> not not for the Houston Texans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't LeBron James do the same thing to a coach? Got him fired? Told him to get out? That's LeBron James is a different level. That's well, a different conversation. But if you're, if you're kind of putting him as an, as an elite, as an elite, right? He's not, not LeBron well, James. Obviously elite. a different sport, too. I mean, like, come on. But doesn't matter. It's more like that's like Wayne Gretzky. That's Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. Yeah. <laughs> like those guys are the same level. Yeah, but you didn't see Gretzky ever tell anyone that, no, I don't want you to coach me anymore. Leave. I'll get someone else to come in and coach me. You don't know about that, man. The social media around there was, you couldn't get everything on record and everything like that at that time. Well, I still, also, I still like, say Gretzky's a bitch, anyways, too. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone that's okay. a superstar is a bitch. Is that what you're saying? Let's look at this the other way. Kev, who do you think is not a bitch? Mark Messier. Uh. <laughs> uh, no, I'd Mary Lemieux. Mary Lemieux. I mean, I can honestly respect that, Kat. I mean, that guy was just, I mean, corners, fight, points, assists. I mean, you, you, everyone just Gretzky, Lemieux, Lemieux, Gretzky. I don't know. And I would take Lemieux over Gretzky in a heartbeat. Really? Yes. There's there's an argument to be made there. I think he it's, had like Peter said. There's an argument to be made for that. He played a lot less, and I think I think he might have had he might have been higher points per game. Yes, I'm not yeah, sure about did. that, but he was close. No, you're right. He did the, per game. He had more points. Now there's something to be said about doing it, actually doing it, and not just not just sort of projecting to do it. If you know what I mean. I want someone that goes into the corners. I want someone that's going to be able to fight. You know. Yeah, but those guys don't last. It's more physicality to your, okay. to your body. You're a big William Nylander fan. No, okay. no, no. Nobody challenged you, Jess, but uh, Gretzky has 1.92 points per game. Oh. And Mario has 1.88, according to HockeyReference.com. Way to blow it, Jesse. I won't give you a penalty on it because nobody called you. Um. So, all right, you guys having a good time? I'm having a great time. I'm having a pretty good time. So I need to I need to bring it down a little bit, uh, a little bit of a more somber somber note this week. Maple Leaf, great captain for twelve legend. seasons, legend, absolute legend. George Armstrong passed away uh, yesterday, I believe. He's uh, ninety years old, and uh, again played for the played for the Maple Leafs for twenty one years, and. Uh, Absolute, like like you said, Peter, absolute legend. He's on Legends Row. 
He's, uh, I think he's the only captain in league history to win four Stanley Cups. As consecutive? At, no, not consecutive, oh, no, but as a no. captain. Sorry, yep. Um, and the last, uh, he captained the least to their last uh, Stanley Cup in 67. Scored an empty net to do it. Were you, uh, did you witness that live, Cap? Yes, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, four time Stanley Cup winner, seven time All Star. Uh, he had uh, 296 goals over over 1,100 games. He had just as many. He actually had more penalty minutes than he had points over his career. See, that's the guy you gotta want. And uh, in 2016, he was voted the number. Uh, he was voted number 12 on the Maple Leafs all-time greatest list. So there's a uh, there's a bit of bit of history, bit of stat for you. And and uh, like Hank Aaron, where we honor George Armstrong and and uh, give his family our condolences. Yeah, rough week for legends. On to, uh, let's talk about COVID-19 in the NHL. Um, so the Canes are uh, in COVID protocol right now. Their, uh, their games are being postponed. I, that I don't like. Honestly, I, I think this is bullshit. If, if you can't put the team on the ice or field or court, you should forfeit that game. I disagree with you because I don't think it's fair to say that it's their fault that they got COVID-19 during it. If you're jumping in a hotel room with four or five other people, come on. That was, that was the cap. Either either way, either way, man. I mean, do we know any details about how the Canes got like, I don't think it's fair to say that they did something wrong to get COVID-19. It might have been as simple as there's, I don't know, somebody went to get groceries and no, I don't know if these guys get their own groceries, but you know what I mean. And uh, maybe they were wearing a mask the whole time, but you can still, you can still get it. It's not perfect. Maybe, uh, maybe they got food delivered and that food, uh, somebody sneezed on it with COVID-19. We don't, I don't think it's fair to say that it's their fault that they contracted the virus and that it's fair to have them forfeit the game. I think it's the right decision to postpone and make it up later. How, how many uh, how many hur- Hurricanes players got it? Five are in protocol. Now, being in protocol doesn't mean you have it. You could be a close contact, could have it. There's there's lots of – they don't give See, us that all just, the information. Five, like, I guess it's a smaller team, but, like, it just doesn't seem like enough that you can – Pose, pose, you pose, yeah, postpone the game. Like you, like, like you got a farm team. That's right. Like you've got, you've had all year to get prepared for this. I know you did the bubble thing, which worked out great, obviously. But like MLB struggled with it all through last year, and they only shut down teams when they had it was a pandemic in their locker room. Now. An outbreak. Yeah, so, like, to me, five people, like you said, it could be a contact trace. It might not be that they actually tested positive or whatever, but, like, five people, like, yeah, that's a a shift and two-thirds, but, or a line and two-thirds, but is that enough to shut them down? Like, I don't don't think so. So, 
what is why not though? What is the downside of postponing the games? Because you got to keep it on schedule. Because that was the whole thing with MLB and uh, NFL. Like they po- ended up postponing because they had a lot for. I think it was the Pittsburgh Steelers or no, it was the Titans. My Titans, yeah, they fucking broke all the rules and licking stripper balls and shit. Baltimore too. Was it Baltimore? Or was it, was it? The, well, anyways, so. What I'm saying is I don't think five is enough, but that's just me. And the whole reason is you got to, you got to, you got to schedule to keep to now with MLB, like it's easier. To, it, they can do two games in a row. Like playing two NHL games in a row is, is tough on your body. That'll never happen. Yeah. You mean like two in one day? No. Exactly. That and that's where, that's where it's tougher to make it up in NHL. Yeah. I think there's enough flexibility in the schedule. Like they, I think planned ahead that a few teams would have this happen. So there's not like no fluff in the schedule where they can't make up any games. Because the MLB some... didn't have any, and neither did the NFL. Well, the NFL said that they push the Super Bowl back. See, the NFL is a different story because you only play once a week. Like if you if you lose a game in the NFL, yeah, but that's what they did. They, they played the game like on the Tuesday or the Wednesday or some shit like that. And they lo- and, and, and then some people lost. Bo- uh, they had two buys and stuff like that. So yeah, like I think it was. I think the Denver Broncos had two buys. That was, that's where it's handy with the NFL is they they had the buys there that they could replace. But yeah, I think in the NHL, um, it's there's enough schedule flexibility that it makes sense to just postpone the games if there's an outbreak within a team. I don't think it's right to punish the team. And I'm not saying forfeit. I'm just saying find some more players. Right. No, I, I said that. I mean, I, I don't I, – I do. I don't think if you can't put enough people on the ice, court, field, you should not have the chance to play that over. Forfeit. Done. You can't, you can't play. I don't think so. I don't know about forfeits, man. That's... If, it was, if it was something under the team's control, I would agree. If, like – you know, so, for we, instance, the Blue Jays not having a place to play last year, no. if if that would have come up that they forfeit those games. No. I'm, I'm talking like if uh, pretend a pandemic isn't happening and five guys are out and they get suspended because they're, I don't know, they're doing blow off of <laughs> stripper poles and, and they get caught and they get suspended but by the here, league. There's also a th- thing saying that we'll never know what actually happened. Like maybe it was one of these assholes that did something wrong. Yeah, but okay. But there's there's breaking COVID protocols, which is not good. But there's also like no one is going out trying to get this disease. Right, but you're part of a team. So if someone does get the disease because they're being a goofball, like you play without the the guys that have are in contact tracing or whatever. Up to up to a point, right? Like don't postpone it, but or postpone unless they there's like half the teams out you can't fucking play but well they had to pull up that um mcmichael to the capitals because you know they didn't have quite the the players well and this is exactly what we're talking about and maybe this is exactly the difference like the canes games are being postponed and they have five guys on protocol the caps broke broke league rules and they have four guys that are on protocol now 
one being your captain. And their games are not being postponed, unless I missed that some are. But I thought that they were, I think they're still playing the Caps games, and they're just playing without their four Russians. You know, there's an argument here between, say, hockey and, and football when it comes to these these numbers of, of people uh, getting COVID. You know, four or five, five guys on a hockey team is 20% of your starting lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, five, five guys on a football team, you know, is 10, 10%. So it's still a large number, but 10, 10% versus 20% is a lot. All right, Josh, just because you said that numbers make sense, but anyone, these all, all these guys can play hockey. Now in football, you have to know a lot more plays. There's a lot more team chemistry, I'll say, in, in, in NFL than hockey. Well, yeah. So I think, I think to your point, like there is a lot more specialization in football. Like you're... Please explain when you mean specialization. Well, you need to be in a spot. You need to be in that certain area for your block or, you know, cut, whatever. I mean... Yeah, the play. Yeah. Yeah, like playing, like there's there's about twice as many players on a football team as there are on a hockey team. Right. But on a hockey team, you've got twelve forwards, uh, six defense, and two goalies. If you lose three of your forwards, you've got three other forwards, and maybe they're not all left wingers. You lose three left wingers, you can bring right wingers over, and they can play left wing. It's not the end of the world. You can bring centers over and play left wing. If you lose three quarterbacks off your NFL team, you're in a world of hurt. You're playing, you're playing with a college wide receiver. You can't bring your safety <laughs> in and play quarterback. That happened with, with the Denver Broncos, man. Exactly. So it, it, like, that's what I'm saying is like, why is these NFL or the NHL protocols? Like they, they should have been ready for this and had this threshold. And I just think, I think they should find players, especially like practice squads. Like, yeah, you're saying like there was a 53 man roster for the NFL and whatever 10% five people uh, Josh said get uh, covid but the practice squad was expanded this year for for covid. Yeah, same same with the NFL. They have a they have a taxi squad. But the NHL has a whole farm team, has a full team. Even the, even when they they expanded the practice squad this year, it was still only half half the Half the team. It was only like to 22 players. So yes and no, because the AHL is not playing right now. So you can't you can't grab them at all. They're sitting in Costa Rica with their feet up. They're not, you know, they're not. Well, they're not allowed to travel, so they're not there. <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean. Gosh, I was in Costa Rica. <laughs> they're sitting on their they're sitting on their back porch with their feet up, drinking beers. They're not skating. They're not playing. They're not. So they did introduce a taxi squad, which is, I think, five players or something like that. Boom. Um, right there. <laughs> your whole practice, your taxi squad is on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, still, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad decision to just postpone the games. Like, I don't think the negative is that um, significant. Why not just postpone the games? And, like, you want to... You want your teams to be able to field their field, they might not be the right term, but field their best product whenever they can. So if 
if you know if five starters are out, five superstars, postpone the game. Wait till they're back healthy, ready to go, and play it back. That's the big deal. I think if you can, you know, you you probably should. But there there comes a point where the league has to say, okay, we're you know, once it gets to this date, we can't postpone anymore, and then you have to to forfeit uh, if you can't have a you know the correct number of of uh, players on your roster um, because you can't get to a you know there was there was a potential thing in the NFL this year where there was an extra issue with the playoffs and maybe the Browns weren't going to end up making it because of like a loophole type thing uh, based on a, a COVID protocol and like a backup 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 plan. So you obviously can't get to that point, but yeah. And yeah, I think, I think realistically, once we get later in the year, I mean, we're six or seven games in something like that. Depends which team you're following, but it's the beginning of the season. Why not post game postpone games now? If it's the last week of the season and you have an outbreak, well then yeah, maybe you cancel those games or and I still don't think you'd forfeit them. I don't think you would forfeit them. You either you either you either postpone it or find enough players. If it's if it's above, I guess the threshold must be four. Four players are in that protocol thing. You still got to play. I just checked it. The tax squads is, is uh, four to six players. So yeah. Um, moving off COVID. Uh, next thing we have in the NHL, uh, a little bit of Leafs homerism because we're all from Ontario and we're all Leafs fans, I think. Jesse, maybe not. I, I'm more or Whatever. less you, making fun of you guys. You don't matter. <laughs> um, Joe Thornton is out for four weeks with a fractured rib, uh, and he joins Nick Robertson on on the Leafs' long-term injured reserve. Uh, that sucks. So Big Joe stepped right in, Jumbo Joe, and uh, he was playing on the first line with Matthews and Marner. They were starting to get some chemistry going. They were looking good. They were fun to watch. Um, I was excited. And then uh, an innocent-looking hit. Just uh, forget who it was. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just finishing his check on a play. And old man Thornton fractured a rib. And he's out for four weeks. He's old. Almost as old as you, Kev. Not, not really. Almost. Kev, there's your boy, isn't he the kind of player you like, or is he a bitch too? Smoking Joe? I mean, uh, he was all right. I mean, he goes in the corner, corner all the time, and everything like that. That that's what you need, but you know, you got to have a bit of a younger dude to be able to do shit like that. Matthews get in the corner, Marner. Why don't you go in the corner? You guys are all afraid to get hit. So what good is Joe good for? Because he doesn't score goals. Because he goes in the corner and creates the puck. To, 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 well, you said you, that's a young man's game. No, a young man should be going into the corners. Oh. All of them should. Is Brian Burke like your just sole uh, sole partner? Like your? Uh... Oh, I would hope so because you know, for you to get rid of your thumpers and your fighters in the NHL, like I mean, the Ty Domi still had another two or three years left of his career, but because they started eliminating the fighters, bye bye, Ty. See you later. We're gonna go to a quicker style of game. So whose fault is that? The NHL. It's the players getting I mean, better. Yeah, if you that argument like Ty Domi didn't evolve with the game, right? No, he didn't because he couldn't. I mean, he he did one time he scored twelve goals and he got his like bonus. 
Good for that, buddy. I mean, come on. The thumper scoring, you know, a good amount of chunk of change. Getting some good, 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 more, like good money because of it. A bonus, let's say. Nah, I'm old school. I mean, you get back that red line. You like the two-line pass? I love that two-line pass. Garbage. You would stop a lot of injuries. Why don't you bring back the hooking and holding, too? Damn, Skippy. This little tap on the hip and you get a penalty touch of your glove. Oh, my God. Are the 1995 New Jersey Devils like your pinnacle of NHL? Nope. I didn't like the icing. Didn't like the icing all the time. Nope. They iced the puck too many times. Shout out to Scott Stevens. Kitchener boy, Scott Stevens. Eastwood High School, me and Jesse's alma mater. Uh, Stevens' parents used to live down the road from where I was. Same street. I just grew up 10, 15 years later. <laughs> That's all we have for the IHL and on to the NBA. So it's a little bit old news now, but we had big trade with Houston and uh, the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden moves over to create a three-headed monster in Brooklyn. Uh, more on that in just a second. But trades in the NBA, I kind of figured that there would be a slew of trades by now. And it really hasn't been. Uh, I, I know it's we're only kind of the same thing as hockey. You're only six, seven, ten games in, whatever it may be, but uh, you know, a, a team like the Raptors need to do something to to shore themselves up. And there are many other teams that need a little help here and there. So why not get it early in a in a shortened season? So one one team that made another splash was Houston. This is kind of an odd an odd trade. They they traded for Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, and all they gave up was a projected second round pick from from golden state uh, in 2024. So it's, there's, you know, there's value in that second round pick, but not right now. 2024 is a long way away in basketball terms. I don't know how much value there is there. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but from what I've understood about that second round pick being protective as it is, uh, it almost seems like it's not even going to happen. It, it wouldn't be surprised. or Sorry. It wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland just wanted to get rid of him. He's kind of been a, you know, as Kevin, you said earlier, a cancer in the room. He, uh, he recently had an outburst in the locker room, yelling at staff, throwing food, uh, whether they were throwing food at the staff and the reasonings, <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I have a very good feeling that that likely led to him or, or helped the fact along uh, to get him traded. And like you said, that pick is pretty much next to nothing. So it seems to me that Cleveland was just trying to move on and, and get that guy out of the room. Other than that trade wise, I haven't heard anything and I figured I would definitely hear a few more things, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. I guess the big thing was, was Harden and everybody kind of took the backseat to that for a while. So maybe in the next week or so, we'll hear something. Going back on your Kevin Porter. I mean, leaving college early to get into the 19, uh, 2019 draft. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but I mean, uh, he was actually got uh, charged uh, with an improper handling of a firearm. But I mean, he ended up getting that uh, dropped, mind you. But still, I mean, you're driving a car with a gun in it. What for? So basically, this guy is a he's a loose cannon a little bit. So and and so it makes more sense why Cleveland wanted to move on from him. Um, and I guess from Houston's standpoint, they're going to be doing a rebuild, so he could, uh, you know, he can be a placeholder type thing. And they didn't give up a whole lot to get him. So, yeah, I get it from Houston's point of view. It seems like a low risk, high reward kind of acquisition. Maybe he turns it around and turns into what he sort of has the potential to be. 
uh, and then it's a fantastic trade for Houston. And if not, if he if his if his personal issues continue to haunt him, um, then it's you know they'll he won't last that long in Houston, and they'll move on from him, and it'll be uh, sort of nothing lost, nothing gained. Yeah, exactly. You're 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 uh, dead nuts on there. Tomorrow is the one year anniversary of Colby and his 13 year old daughter Gianna's death. Um, I'm sure everybody remembers they were in a helicopter accident and were both pronounced dead on the scene. I'm guessing, you know, it's uh, again, we're kind of in a somber mood. Uh, you know, we have the thoughts of, of all these people passing. Uh, and as you said, legends passing um, Kobe. Yes. was a year ago, but uh, you know, a cool thing that's happened since, since his passing uh, is that there are tons and tons and tons of murals going up along or in LA uh, honoring Kobe and and uh, his daughter Gianna, which I think is is pretty sweet, you know, to uh, to give the side of your of your building to Kobe and and to uh, to promote, you know, him and what what the the Black Mama stood for. There's over 400 murals, and uh, there's actually a a website called ColbyMural.com, and they have locations and photographs of of all or a majority of these these murals so you can kind of make yourself a map and and you can drive around and go and see some of these which i think is pretty damn cool if you're in the la area there's more than a dozen of them within walking distance of staples center so i thought that was pretty cool to uh to be able to see and to honor kobe yeah it's it's great to see this i'm we know that la love loves kobe along with a lot of the rest of the country yeah that's what i heard for one we promise next week's episode will be less uh have less somber moments in it unless this week truly is awful. But we hope it's not. And yeah, it's, I'm sure we all remember that it was a complete shocker when we saw the news that uh, Kobe had passed. Um, I know for me, it was, you had to do a double take and say, what? What do you mean Kobe? Like Kobe's only, he just retired a few years ago. It's great to see the upwelling of support for him and, and Gianna, uh, his daughter that was with him. And, yeah. So I mentioned it before about the uh, three-headed monster in Brooklyn, which really was only ever a two-headed monster, uh, no matter at what point. <laughs> sometimes a one-headed monster. Sometimes, and sometimes a no-headed monster because KD was out for a bit there. So, so the big thing, I guess, now after Harden, he came in after the trade, scored thirty some odd points in his uh, in his debut, uh, and has really lit it up. And walk in, Kyrie Irving has decided that he's going to play. He's going to play some basketball. So he missed seven games, eleven days of the season, and we didn't really hear why. Best answer I got, he said he just needed a pause. So, hey, it is what it is. I know, you know, everybody's going through their own stuff and COVID and whatever else. So he's got millions and millions of reasons why he shouldn't uh, need a pause, but uh, (laughs) that's not me, I guess. So my understanding is he also uh, was not a fan of the Steve Nash hiring as a a head coach. Um, And so that was another sore point with him. Is that because he hates Canada? Maybe. I don't know. Fucker. I don't know. 
he doesn't get along with a lot of people. It's he, it, obviously Steve Nash is one of those people. And the thing is, yeah. is Nash is like stayed quiet about the whole situation. It's just like I'm here to coach. Like just shut up. He's done pretty good since he's come back, but uh, Harden's taken a bit of a backseat. Like he, he lit it up when Kyrie wasn't there, and then last game we got like 12 points because he's passing the ball. Yeah, he actually is passing the ball more. Well, he was always good at that, but he just never did it. <laughs> he looks like he has uh, maybe one or two pounds to lose, dude. Yeah. Take it off the beard, he'll be fine. I mean, I I think once they get it together, are they the front runner in the East, do we think? On paper. I mean, maybe. You still got Giannis. Yeah, you maybe Milwaukee. Boston. You still got... Um, uh, Philly with the uh, what's his name? Embiid, Embiid, Joel. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, if they get it together, they probably are. Will they get it together for ten games and then start to fall out because everybody wants the ball more? Yeah, that's a lot of personality on one team. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, Kyrie kind of lit it up when he came back. Thirty-seven points in his return. This guy's kind of been a up and down kind of guy, though. Like you said, he's a you know, he just takes off because he needs a pause and then comes back and lights it up, which is obviously is like, well, we don't care that he, t- he took a pause because he scored 37 points. But how often is he going to do that? So especially with ball hungry players like KD and Harden. So, yeah. So on the subject of Kyrie, because he's making all kinds of news lately. Jesse, I don't know if you have it in front of you again, but you mentioned before the, uh, I think he paid like 50 grand in a COVID penalty and the games he missed, he forfeited something like 800,000 in salary, something like that. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It was, I don't have that for me right now. Yeah. So he cost himself about a million bucks to pause. So I hope, I hope it was worth it. And buying a house. That's right. In the same time, he's, um, he did uh, a great thing. He went out and he bought a house for the family of the late George Floyd. And of course, we all remember back in, in the summer, I guess. Um, passed away from uh, the police officer having his knee on his neck for almost nine minutes, which was not good. So, yeah, it's a great gesture, I think, to the, the, the family of George Floyd. And Kyrie continues to be... A bit of an enigma he's a yin and a yang yeah <laughs> he's doing great things he's buying houses for for joy floyd's family and and then he's you know taking pauses and he's he's uh he's keeping himself in the news that's for sure well boys i believe we've covered the majors we got the four major sports covered Boom. bang we've uh we've been having a good good little chat here i've, I've really been enjoying uh, chatting with you guys on our first episode. One thing I do want to talk about uh, before we uh, kind of step away here, wrap it up, is is the Olympics. They are supposed to be coming in six, six months away. Yeah, July-ish, I guess. Now, I have heard that multiple outlets have, have reported that the games could be canceled. But uh, on Friday, the IOC... And Japanese government officials made uh, made some statements 
the IOC saying that uh, the reports of canceling the games are categorically untrue and all parties are working together to prepare for successful games this summer. So as far as the IOC is concerned right now, everything's a go and, uh, you know, and prepare for, for the games. Uh, the Japanese government also saying that they're determined that the games will go ahead. So they're on the same page. Uh, so where these reports came from, who knows, you know, many of these reports and the people talking about this are saying that it's too difficult a task to run the Olympics, uh, you know, in a, in a bubble type situation or, or what have you with COVID. And I, I agree, it's going to be very difficult, but if the four major sports can, can do it with relatively good success, I feel like the IOC should be able to do it as well. And you can, you can literally make it a giant bubble. Like it's Olympic town, you know, I mean, I know not everything is in one city, so it's, it's tough because the, the ski, uh, I guess it'll be what's well, summer Olympics. Right. So, um, so it's not like you need to be up in the mountains or anything like that. So it could be easier to make it one specific area and you can't get in or out of that area. Even it, even though it would cover kilometers, without having a, a negative test or, or however they're going to, to do it. So I think it is possible. Yes, it'll be difficult. How badly do the, you want the Olympics? Yeah. Well, like I said in my earlier rant, I think, I think we're going to be in a lot better situation in July than we are right now uh, in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic. And again, that's just my uh, completely uneducated opinion on the matter. But I think, I think we're in a lot better place come the summer than we are right now. That being said, the Olympics, there is a ton of people involved in the Olympics. And uh, the logistics of, of getting all those people safely into a bubble and testing everyone and making sure that it is done safely, it's a significant challenge. I don't think it's an impossible challenge. I don't think it's going to be canceled. I think it's it's unfortunate for Japan, really, because what the Olympics do for a country and a city is they bring in all kinds of revenue. All, it's the economic boost to having the Olympics in your city and your country is huge. And it probably will be minimized for Japan and, and Tokyo for these Olympics. Um, so if anything is pushing them to postpone it or delay it, I heard 2032 thrown out there as the next opportunity to go back to Tokyo. If anything is driving it, I would say it's it's the economics. But personally, in, in my opinion, I think that it's it's going to go ahead. It has to go ahead. There's just there's just too much. Like they've got too many people waiting for you know new apartments that are going to be. Uh, used as athlete housing and they're waiting to get into their homes based on, you know, we signed a lease. You can't get into your house until after the Olympics. Right. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. And it's just, and like you said, like the next slot is 2032 after Paris and LA. So there is no postponing it. It's a cancel and you go to the back of the line, you know, I'm with Peter on this. I don't, I, I don't think it'll get canceled. And I also think they might do, because you said it's done over a lot of locations, right? Mm-hmm. Which everyone knows. So they might just do a bunch of mini bubbles. Because usually they do like a like a Olympic village or whatever, right? Right. So they might just do a couple small ones. Like 
just to, like for the areas or the, the the sports that they're doing for sure like all the cyclists will be in one area and right. then all the track and field there will be in another area based on where their their venue locations are right so there's not going to be a lot of like like sports like crossing where certain guys will go someday and i'm sure as soon as like they won't be sticking around either as soon as they get their their stuff done they might be heading back home kind for of. sure yeah like, just get the hell out of there more or less yeah and, and i highly doubt that they would do an opening and closing ceremonies with all the player like all the athletes walking through and there's whatnot it's just there's no, no way. point in doing that there's exactly no so so no no point in the and the athletes sticking around to because a lot of them will you know after their events they hang around because they want to be part of the closing ceremonies but there's no need to do that they can all go home so keep it as minimal risk as possible mm -hmm. the challenge that i see is that uh like taking the what i know from the pan am games that happen here in toronto like there's a lot of building that goes into preparing for a major boarding sort of event in your city that happens years ahead of time like there's uh there's condos and stuff that went up here before the pan am games that were specifically for the pan am games and then afterwards they got sold off uh, which we kind of touched on before, but I, I think it might be tough to sort of change the plan at this point and, and sort of try and space out the events or at least where the people are, are staying for the actual Olympics. Uh, that's probably set in stone at this point. So you don't think um, there's going to be a, there's just going to be one big bubble. It's hard to, hard to speculate, but I don't think that they can, rapidly change plans as much as we might think they may be able to just because the amount of people involved and where they have to the, the logistics of of housing them um, the good news is that with the summer olympics most of the events are outside anyway uh which helps aside from like swimming and gymnastics and stuff i don't know we'll just have to wait and see i think but uh yeah I can see all kinds of challenges with with trying to make it happen, but I, I think it's going to happen. Hopefully it does. Every, I think everybody loves to see the Olympics, so they've already been postponed once to have them. Like I said, there really is no more postponement. It'll be canceled, and they might get that 2032 slot, but um, so it would it'd be nice to be able to, to see it, and I would imagine it will do wonders for the world from a social standpoint and people kind of getting back to that sense of normalism. Yeah, I think it'll almost be, if if my crystal ball is right, I think it'll almost be a kickoff to a COVID-less world or a COVID-minimalized world, anyway. Sure would be nice. Yeah. So we've got a fun little segment coming up next. Uh, I'm going to call it Who's in Your Penalty Box? The first ever Who's in Your Penalty Box. First ever. So what we're going to do is each each of us is going to choose somebody uh, in the world of sports that uh, didn't have such a good week. Uh, and we'll kind of explain uh, why they're in our penalty box. Jesse, you want to start us off? Yeah. My guy that's in the penalty box, well, it's more of the organization than anything else, was the hiring of Dan Campbell as head coach for the Detroit Lions. This guy hasn't been a coordinator very much. He's been in the Saints system for a bit here and there, and he's been an interim head coach with a losing record, 
with the Miami Dolphins. And I'm pretty sure I sent you guys a clip of his interview. It was beautiful. It was great. Wonderful. About biting kneecaps. <laughs> like, you get back up. You got to get back up, Jesse, and take a bite out on your way up. After you get, after you get punched four times in the face, <laughs> you grab the other toe or whatever it was. With his, this guy is just like, he never left uh, college, it seems like. like maybe, he's, maybe he might do something with, because he came from the Saints organization. They, they, Sean Payton kind of knows what he does, he's doing there. But, like, man, Detroit, like, you're going to lose Stafford, who was one of the few quarterbacks that have thrown for 5,000 yards, and you haven't been able to get him a fucking playoff win? They don't have much of a team either, like, around them. That's, you know, Megatron, and that was who Yeah, else? apart from Megatron. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, they – it's been brutal. Like, they – and they – one of the other teams that went 0-16, like, their their organization is just, just god-awful. And I think it's one of the Ford grandchildren that owns it. You know, you think they know something about, like, they obviously know something about business, but, like, fucking get your sports teams together, right? Like, I don't know. Anyways, the Troy Lions are in my penalty box. Bit of a tangent, but where do we think Matt Stafford's going to end up? Who knows? I mean. Wherever, wherever Watson doesn't go. Yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, may, I, I highly doubt he goes to a division rival, but you never know about Chicago. But Jets. Indy. He could go to Indy, too? That's my guess. That's a good assumption i mean there's always atlanta right no nope. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that kev no they're not gonna get rid no. of matt ryan for stafford that's <laughs> that's dumb <laughs> just trading matt <laughs> yeah <laughs> matt be trying he be trying that's right so the detroit lions is, is uh, jesse's penalty box for basically for not hiring a good enough head coach right? I, just, I just yeah he's just not they didn't do a good job on their uh scouting and they just they just hired the rams uh head head of scouting for their gm and and i think he did pretty good did you guys end up watching that video of the multi-python the black knight I, did, I know what you're talking about when they just slap chop off his arms and legs and everything else yeah that reminded me of your new uh well reminded me of the coach for the uh, detroit lions all right josh who is in your penalty box my penalty box is full of a very large man. You got to increase the size of your penalty box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shaquille O'Neal is in my penalty box this week. This man decides that he's going to call out Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz, saying directly to him, or sorry, not to him, but uh, on, on the uh, TNT broadcast saying that Donovan Mitchell does not have what it takes to get to the next level. So after the game, the game that Donovan Mitchell scores 37 points in, the game that puts the Jazz up to being 12-4 and four on the season, Shaq says to Mitchell, I said that you didn't have what it takes to get to the next level. He, I said it on purpose, and I wanted you to hear it. What do you think about that? Mitchell's response, I. So Donovan Mitchell says, I, and goes on to say that he's been hearing that since his rookie year. He's just going to get better and do what he does. Shaq then kind of, Backs up and says, good. That's what I wanted to hear you say. Love your game. Keep it up. My thing here is that this guy isn't, uh, he's not a slouch, Donovan Mitchell. Like he, like I said, he just finished scoring 36 points. He's got his team to 12 and four. Even LeBron and KD are not happy with Shaq. Now, both of them are probably the most critiqued players in the NBA. 
but and both of them had a beef with uh, NBA on TNT crew. So LeBron comes out and says, "There's a difference between constructive criticism and soft hating." Uh, he's seen it both ways. Both come his both ways go his way, mostly hate. And uh, he said, "You can hear it in their delivery when people are saying these these things like you're not going to get to the next level." KD says something a little bit funnier and says, "Them old heads need to go enjoy retirement." <laughs> These boys have coaches they work with every day. And I mean, I got to agree with Katie. Yeah, I know Shaq, you're, you're a hall of famer. You're a champion, but come on, man. Like let these guys do their thing just for, for Donovan Mitchell. I'm not a Utah jazz fan, but I hope they do pretty well today. There this, this season, just to, just to shove it in Shaq's face. So Shaq for being a goof is in my penalty box. Peter, who's in yours. So before I get to mine, I just, I don't want to react to that. Because I, I saw the uh, the Shaq interview, and I, di- I didn't really take it that way. The way that I saw it is I saw Shaq trying to challenge Mitchell intentionally and out in public to be better. I, I didn't take it as hate the way the LeBron or, or KD thinks it was. Maybe I'm off, but I saw it as Shaq trying to push the kid. That's what I saw. Well, he definitely made it seem like that by saying, you know, oh, I said it on purpose and I wanted you to hear it. Yeah. But I think he said it talking shit. And then Mitchell goes out and puts a game up. And now Shaq has to renege and, mm-hmm. and you know, backtrack yeah. and say, you think he's backtracking? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Could be. It's funny that you say that, Peter, because I was going to ask Kevin. I was like, so is Shaq challenging him? Or is he just being like a soft hater, like you know, LeBron was saying? Because that's what, like, the old school in you, as Shaq is, like, that's incentive for you to do better, right? Like, negative reinforcement, which works well in males, but in this day and age, like, like and females, by the way. Oh, look at you. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that's an old school way of getting your head out of your ass. Trying to get someone, so trying to get someone motivated, right? So, what do you think about that, Kev? I don't know. I mean, sometimes you need that that hard motivation. Sometimes you need that person to say, you know what? Maybe if you did this better, you would be better. So, do you think Shaq was trying to motivate him, or do you think he was chirping him and then backtracking? Uh, I think he chirped him and then kind of backtracked. In regards to sitting there saying, oops, I stuck my big 22, 22s in my mouth. <laughs> I think Shaq is, he is who he is. He, he, he talks a lot of shit to begin with and everything like that. And he's a, he's a media head, right? Like they're gonna, they're gonna say whatever they can, they can to get those clicks and, and get on video and stuff like that. Right. Just to, cause the whole thing now is to be in sports media is to be this outrageous character and somebody outside the box yeah to call out all these big bold predictions and then when they don't happen it's like well i was just trying to challenge you (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i mean there's a reason that tnt is is the nba on tnt is huge it's because of shack it's because of the personalities they have it's good tv that's right (laughs) so peter your penalty box okay my penalty box is the NHL's COVID protocols, specifically as it relates to the capital situation. And here's why. I don't know if you guys got to see um, what Ovechkin's wife, uh, her comments on the situation with the capital's COVID protocols. 
is she said in Russian, obviously translated in English. But it's something along the lines of, you know, these guys are on a bench next to each other in games. They practice together. They're in lounges together. They celebrate by hugging each other after a goal. But because they went into a hotel room after the game, that they uh, were guilty of breaking the NHL's COVID protocols and um, had to get suspended. I don't know if suspended is the right word, but had to get put in COVID protocol when they had a positive case or close contact or whatever it is they had. And I can understand the point that she is making. Uh, she's basically saying, like, how how is it different to be in a hotel room after the game than to be next to each other in the locker room or during the game or in a lounge or at a dinner or whatever where they're allowed to be within the COVID within the NHL's COVID rules, but there's not allowed to be in the hotel room after the fact. And there's there's something there, and I agree with her on that point. That being said, the Capitals are well aware of this rule, and they knew that they were breaking it, and now they're facing the penalty of that. But in my penalty box is, is the rules itself, because it's human nature to do what makes sense, and this rule doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like I understand where where she's coming from because you know yeah you're what's the difference you're sitting beside them sweating and spitting and and whatnot and then you go into the <clears throat> into a hotel room, but protocols are protocols and they're trying to limit exposure so you are you know exposed to that other player for you know I mean in real time call it three hours of game time. And, and then, you know, you have say, I don't know, an hour before hour after. So you, that day you've been exposed to somebody else for five hours. And then the whole thing then is now, then you stop being exposed because you're wearing your masks and, and so on and so forth. So if you're only being potentially exposed for five hours, as opposed to 24 every day, your chances are going to be way better. So that's probably where the NHL is coming from. This is the protocol. That's, you got to stick by it. We, yes, we understand that, you know, there's definitely going to be some spit flying around between games and between even between teams on, you know, hitting the corner and, and so on and so forth. But rules are rules. And this year is yeah. so I just, a little different, I just but it's no exception. Uh, if someone gets it, chances are those closest to them are going to get it also. And I don't think that being in a hotel room after the game has any significant impact on that. Uh, and that's the reason the protocols in my penalty box. No. But regardless, they broke the rules. They got they faced the uh, the guillotine for breaking the rules. They got a hundred thousand dollar fine or something, and they're missing a lot of games. And it is what it is. Yeah, that's. It is redundant at that point, but it's a little strict. And, yeah. Uh, uh, like, yeah, they sweat it all game, and now they 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 can't. I'm sure it was just have like what I'm looking at here. It sounds like they're all Russian too, so yeah. having a shot of vodka. That's right. So like everything's sterilized, anyways. <laughs> Kev, who's in your penalty box, buddy? Uh, I got to go with uh, 
Sid off of Tim and Sid. That's etc. It's good for you, bud, for moving on up, you know, going on to a new and broader thing. But do you do you really think you're going to be able to be able to entertain your 60s to 70 year old ladies now? They're going to get up and watch breakfast television. I don't know. I, I really don't see it happening. I mean, he's got a, an odd personality for for morning, you know, morning radio or morning TV. I guess you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to turn on the TV. These people are going to go, "Who the fuck is this guy? Where did he come from?" Well, they could draw a lot of sports fans, though. Really could. Uh, dude, you three, like? I mean, I, I get up and watch sports. Don't get me wrong. When I get up my early hours before I go to work. But breakfast television is not one of them. So for those who don't know, what we're talking about is uh, Sid Sixero, half of Tim and Sid, who started as the Tim and Sid podcast and have made it all the way to the Tim and Sid show from whatever, four to seven every every afternoon. Sid's leaving and going to join breakfast television. Unbelievable. Which, you know, they've been doing Tim and Sid for something like 17 years over that man i think it's close to 20 or someone i think yeah. it was so, 20 yeah you know i get it i i get tired of fucking i'm in construction and i get tired of building the job after two years but then you want to go to an old building that's about you know 60 70 <laughs> years old and step in there and go hey definitely not definitely. that's new to you that's though right. new to you yeah yeah it's interesting i mean I mean, we assume that there's a financial compensation here that he would be leaving as well. Uh, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. And, you know, yeah, he's going to have to get up. It's probably, well, what time? I think it starts at 10 a.m. So it's not even that that early of a show. So he's not getting up super early. He's going to do his three hours of work. And then, yeah, he's got to prep for the next day and whatever. But, you know, he's probably home at a decent time with his family. And that likely had contributing factor to him choosing uh breakfast television instead of Tim and Sid. I gotta throw it a challenge here. There's no way breakfast TV starts at 10 a.m. No, breakfast TV I say starts about six. Gotta be something like okay. that. Okay. Look it up. I thought I read 10 a.m. somewhere, but I could be wrong. I could have read <laughs> completely. I could have read like March 10th or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody looking it up? Yeah. Peter's on fire right now. 6 a.m. Damn. Boom. Bang. It's breakfast TV, man. Nobody but schmucks like us have breakfast at 10 a.m. <laughs> All right, gents. Points and penalties. It's not just a podcast. It's kind of a little game that we're playing. It's going to be a fixture throughout our tenure. We will be keeping track daily and, or I guess weekly, until the end of time. So... If I kept score right today, which I may or may not have, I think that Josh is minus two. I think Jesse's minus one. I think Kev is zero. Kev's saying one. He's, he's minus one because he picked he picked uh, Mike McGuire. Yeah, Mark. And then he just said Mark, six, Mark McGuire. But he just said six a.m. for breakfast TV, which oh, was great. Oh, good point. Yeah, he was a part of that challenge. I said six. Yeah, so I'm calling Kevin even. And I'm plus two. Wait, what was my first Bitches. one? Uh, are you just minus one? Yeah. I might be fucking you. That's why we talk about these things. So, Peter, you're in the lead, plus two. Kevin is in second with zero. 
And Jesse and I are bringing up the rear tied at minus one. That is the weekly total and the running total because it's episode one. Uh, for full kind of rules and whatnot. I can't wait for my steak, boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. We have a, a gentleman's wager, a case of beer, and a nice dinner out for the winner, uh, which really it will be too expensive for the other three of us because all three of us get to pay for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for uh, more rules and whatnot, our listeners can can uh, flip back to episode zero. Uh, we're gonna have a little section there. We're actually gonna introduce ourselves a little more, and uh, and we'll lay out points and penalties. Uh, rules and regulations as well kevin so my man how was your drink uh my uh drink was amazing um i would always sit there and recommend that uh, moonshine to anybody what was it called again it is a uh murphy's law maybe it comes out with uh several different kind of flavors great stuff they have uh they have a distiller here in toronto i think rooftop patio you can go in non-covid times you can go and have uh i haven't i haven't been but i have i have a uh a pass that i can get in there once everything all this is all said and done it's a two-person pass to go through their facility oh you know my number buddy (laughs) maybe we could get them to give points and penalties just a couple of passes yeah that'd be all right (laughs) ah you know what i'll we'll pay for the first round it's fine yeah (laughs) <laughs> second round second round is on murphy's law <laughs> jesse how was your drink uh the moose head was good solid beer still rolling with tall boys today uh, of course what else do you drink i drink small boys but i drink a bunch of them peter was your drink satisfying this evening probably my favorite drink right now nice which is why i had it for our inaugural episode Crown Royal Northern Harvest Rye. And uh, I said clubs out of it, but really it's a soda stream of water that I have here. Sound, sounds good, man. It's the way to go, man. And Josh, how was your drink? How were your tiny little beers? Well, my my Coors original was top notch. My small, small, small boys were very good. Uh, I had a few of them. I had to duck out a couple times to go grab one. We didn't even uh, notice. But they were very tasty. And uh, I can't wait to crack another one uh, shortly. So that's it for us here at Points and Penalties. So for everyone, Kevin, Jesse, Peter, and myself, Josh, uh, thanks again for listening. And please give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And until next week, stay out of the penalty box.